0: Hello, 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 happy Friday, my Fresco babies. Today is a very, very unique episode of Fresco Savage, live from the interdimensional bedroom. I'll, I'll let you know what happened here. Uh, Wannabe and I ran into some technical difficulties, and then in a scramble um, to try and, you know, to try and react to that and get an episode out, because I, I, I'm committed to a weekly episode, we used a new program, and it only recorded Wannabe's audio. And granted, uh, that's on me, that's, uh, but you know what, what can you do? Show, the show must go on. Um, and so you'll, you'll hear when it cuts out, uh, I don't know, something weird happened. And then um, I'm just going to pick it up. And this is actually my first time going live just on my own in this podcast. And over the last few years, I've been having these dreams that seem to be canonical Um, and I thought it would just be fun to kind of explain those and tell them like stories because I, I dream very vividly and I know I've talked about that before on the podcast, but I thought it would be cool to have those all in one spot. So if you're here, if it's the first time, if if it's the fifth, sixth, seventh time, man, do I appreciate you being here. This is one of the best things. And I know I say this all the time, but my, my gratitude simply cannot be, um, cannot be measured. So I'm going to say that almost every single intro that being said it's very cold here i'm in kind of a, a ratty attitude i'm excited for warmer weather i'm excited for spring um but yeah wannabe and i get into some good stuff but then it only lasts about 15 minutes um unfortunately we, we've had this issue before and usually we've been able to combat it just with restarting um technology but what can you do it sometimes it feels like the universe or whoever's in charge doesn't want you to do something on a specific day and you know sometimes you got to go with the hill you can't go against it so with that being said i have run out of things to say and i have 17 seconds left so this is just a conversation this is a nice piece of silence between me and you right here there it is enjoy this week's episode of fresco savage live from the interdimensional bedroom
1: makes us stronger
0: that is the wrong album but i appreciate your
1: no it's not graduation
0: maybe i'm, think... Ugh, I'm thinking am i thinking they a different
1: can you look it up now yeah you got me questioning
0: yeah 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 na, 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 don't kill me yeah, that's off not i don't think that's off graduation bro
1: i'm fairly confident
0: maybe i'm thinking gra- graduation was not the first record then
1: no 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 school spirit dude
0: I love Kanye West, though. It's been a good school day sp- listening to Kanye West.
1: I think I think School Spirit would have been, yeah, about... You said 17 years? It's been 17 years since his
0: first record, The College Dropout.
1: Oh, yeah. Co- Scott, sorry. The, the the song is called School Spirit. College Dropout.
0: School Spirit. No. Not super I think Do It Better, Faster. That's called Stronger, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's on his third record, "Graduate," which is called Graduation. But there's a lot of... Uh, graduation references on college dropout. He was big on graduating.
1: No, there's a sorry. I don't mean to be a jerk about this. The, there's a lot of there's a lot of college dropout references on graduation.
0: There's also a lot of graduation references on the college dropout. His first record that came out seventeen years ago.
1: You mean literally graduating by graduation re- references?
0: Yeah, but there's like school spirit graduate graduation day that's all on college dropout as well oh
1: yeah okay sorry i meant because i thought you were saying like you're saying yeah that's why i'm saying saying.
0: kanye west in general a lot of collegiate references
1: yes gotcha okay we're caught up
0: (laughs) boy boy was that cool
1: (laughs) wow tough way to start today (sighs) yes okay thank you yeah okay school spirit that makes more sense because i remember stronger came out when i was in like fourth grade which would make sense still for 17 stronger years stronger
0: but... came out in 2007
1: yeah when my friend and i used to that's when it was really cool to call into the radio and my friend and i called I that the, yep. yep local radio station and when they finally played it we freaked out and i remember specifically i was wearing jean shorts and so
0: yes <laughs> a little jort action i was a jean short kid too
1: yeah, I was a big jean short kid. Um, I had a light pair and a dark pair, and then I still I...
0: wear jean shorts in the summer.
1: Oh shit, man! But they're like Are the cool
0: cr- ripped off ones. They're like the cuffed ones. What it's do you not mean? Like cool? <laughs> <laughs> like so the the shorts that I used to wear were like down to my calves.
1: Yeah, that was a thing, dude. With that like was the car, jean. and they had
0: the carpenter hammer loop.
1: Yep exactly
0: but they have since rebranded jean shorts
1: yeah it's not cool to be a little more cool yeah it's not cool to be a carpenter anymore yeah unless you're jesus (laughs) jesus christ um i uh, yeah i remember that fucking belt why do you think it was ever cool to look like a carpenter why do you think that was cool
0: um i think in like the 90s and early 2000s there was there was a i'm talking now i'm not a fashionista in right. And anyway,
1: this is a hypothesis. So I'm talking this this is
0: purely purely hypothesis. It seems to me that in the 90s there was a big um loose closing loose 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 clothing fad. Yeah. That I think was probably started with a um what was in style was like working guy gear, working gear.
1: Okay. Like loose it-
0: you Know we see brands now like Carhartt and Dickies that are coming back. I feel like those are very 90s. This feels very 90s to me,
1: mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah, that that is a
0: very, very uh function over,
1: four. yeah, 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 very uh use. Yeah, that is interesting. Damn, and uh, you're uh,
0: talking to a guy who watched the entire 1999 Woodstock performance of Limb Biscuit yesterday. So,
1: oh. are you serious?
0: Yeah, dude, I went on a limb biscuit tear.
1: You went on a limb biscuit tear?
0: Dude, I don't think they understood the art they were making. And if they did, they're
1: geniuses. Isn't it like a joke that limb biscuit is like bad? Like everyone hates limb biscuit. Have
0: you listened to limb biscuit?
1: No, I just know that there's jokes of like limb biscuits. Like so, like, terrible.
0: yeah, so I'm a limb biscuit fan.
1: All right, all right, let's get it out And there. so here's,
0: here's, here's, here's. Here's what's good about Limb Biscuit, right? You know what? I'm gonna pull up the exact thing I said yesterday. Because I was on a tear yesterday and I, I was telling my friends and they didn't believe me. And I, I explained it. And I want to, I wanna I think I worded it pretty well yesterday. I won't do it as good justice. So let me find the, the message. Okay, okay. There's a lot of memes in this, so I gotta go back a little bit.
1: Oh gotcha. Yeah, you gotta file through all those memes.
0: Yeah. How's your day, buddy? Oh,
1: it was good. You've got me thinking on this line of of like fashion, especially in relation to society. I remember in a sociology class, we learned that I think it was after World War, I want to say one or two. I can't remember if it's one or two, but there was a period where clothing was was short, and it was it became really cool to be very frugal with your clothing, and so that people wore you know smaller clothes or clothes that took less less cloth. To make and then around that same time in like in inner cities i believe it was chicago there was something called a zoot suit and it's it were these suits that were very big they were purposely baggy to show wealth and they were kind of i think like kind of mobsterbs or gangsters would wear them and it for a while the police in the city it became it became a trend to like essentially beat up those people that were wearing the zoot suits because they weren't supporting the soldiers and the right. police in those cities would not enforce. Um, they would not criminally punish people who would beat up those gentlemen wearing the zoot suits. Yeah. And now I'm thinking about like why in the nineties and early two thousands like that, those baggy clothes would have been seen as cool.
0: Yeah. I don't know. And the same thing goes with like beauties, like, large people used to be really attractive because it meant you were wealthy because you could yeah, feed yourself yeah uh, so that that was like uh, what was attractive at the time whereas now it's like you can't control yourself
1: yeah so it's like unattractive yeah, it not what it is it's, uh, can you hear me now are you back yeah now you're back
0: okay you were, were silent as well
1: okay well i, I was just going like this
0: yeah uh, but I couldn't hear you, and then you just did something that prompted a noise, and then I could hear you again, and then you could t- hear me.
1: Okay, I, I yeah, okay, I don't know. I, but
0: to get back to my point, what I was saying—did you hear my thing about pale beauty standards?
1: No, 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 go on. So,
0: so in the same way that like larger people were attractive, now it's like, and also like skin tone. Pale mm-hmm. used to be super attractive uh, yes. because it meant that you were inside all day and you were rich and you didn't have to work. And so tan was unattractive, mm-hmm. but now it's like the opposite where you're like tan mm-hmm. is attractive. Pale mm-hmm. is not. And it's very weird. And it just goes to show you like how hardwired we are by culture and like what we see in media and stuff like that for like, this yeah. is a, this is what attractive is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Being socialized is a real thing. And it's kind of, it's really weird to think about how, yeah, even in beauty standards there is no objective truth. Yeah. I,
0: I want to make my point about Lim Biscuit because it has Yeah, okay,
1: go. Oh, sorry. please, please. No,
0: no, no. I just found it. That's why. And I don't want to I don't want to get off this subject cuz it it pertains. <laughs> it's relevant. All right. Cuz I said I finally get Lim Biscuit. It's supposed to be trash. Ready? And then my friend goes, "It's just about fuck it." LOL. And I say, "In a way, yes." but it's more this reflection of the absurdity of what was selling in the 90s. These Ugh. big, these big, loud character acts drenched in sex, sweat, and darkness. Then they come out with an album called Chocolate Starfish in the Hot Dog Flavored Water as a fuck you to what sells. And it still has all the things that mainstream audiences wanted. It exposed the act of show business. Mm. It was everything audiences wanted, but it was absolutely absurd and didn't really mean anything. And it was, it was over the top. And I now see. I don't know if that was their plan
1: <laughs> or they got lucky or they,
0: or like, cause there's, there's a very real thing when you create things, sometimes you're not creating what you think you're creating,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? Um, mm-hmm. Famously, like the, the director for American beauty thought he was making a different, very different movie. And then when the editors and producers got a hold of it at the end and they like switched a bunch of things around, it became like a totally different movie, mm-hmm. but like that, it, sometimes you just gotta like keep your hands off it, you know? So yeah. I'm not sure if they just like, some industry guy just saw Limp Biscuit and was like, "These guys are trash," but it's like a cultural statement. But I'm just gonna pump a bunch of money into them because like they'll mm-hmm. sell, mm-hmm. or if it was just truly blind firing, mm-hmm. I don't know, I have no idea. But I like Limp Biscuit.
1: Yeah, um, another example of that is the Beatles' song "Ob-La-Di, oh, Ob-La-Da." Oh, yeah. They just wrote that shit just to prove that you didn't even have to use real words to sell stuff. I believe Hey Ya by Outkast was also an example of the band just like, okay, fine, record company, you want a fucking hit song? We can make a hit song. It's easy. Yeah. We don't have, to, we don't, we don't do, we purposely avoid this kind of easy. Well, chord Blink, progression.
0: yeah. Blink182 is the same thing. We're like, no, 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 no,
1: no, no, no. Oh, nah, yeah. Nah, nah. That was supposed to be sarcastic. That was like a sarcasm thing.
0: They're like, we don't know what to put here. Let's just put Nas.
1: Oh, okay. We don't want to write
0: we don't know what words to put. Let's just put Nas.
1: Cuz that song it's it's too bad it's that song cuz like that's their most popular song and the but the music video is kind of like mocking. You can it's kind of got like a mocky vibe. I always wondered that.
0: Yeah, it's mocking culture. Yeah, I mean, yeah. dude, sometimes you know, there's artists at every level, especially with like how music industry used to be where it was such like a top down game.
1: Yeah. And and it, there
0: were many hands on it. There's artists at every level. It doesn't necessarily just, you know, the guy who comes up with the music videos for the band isn't necessarily the guy in the band. Mm -hmm. The record label just tells them where to be and when to be there. Yeah,
1: get fed up. Yeah. Have you watched the, or one time I went on a spree of watching the top, Five most rebellious performances of all rock history.
0: Yeah, I've seen those, like the ones where, like, Nirvana, like, yes. played a completely different song that was, yeah, than the one that was pre-recorded for the show. Yeah. What was that? No, yeah, you What'd cut you out again. You cut.
1: Yeah, you cut I don't know. I think it's. We regret to inform you
0: that this record has officially been redacted from the transmission. Thank you and. Move along. I've always been the type of person who has really strange and vivid dreams. Um, One of the earliest dreams I remember, I must have been two or three years old, and I was flying on these giant geese with my family to Legoland. Uh, I mean, even in like third or fourth grade, um, I I had a dream that I died. It was the end of the world, and I died and went to heaven. And you know, I, I, a Jesus figure led me through this this you know apocalyptic metal doorway, almost like something you'd see inside of a submarine. You know, with with the whole wheel to unlock and depressurize. And um, through the doorway, you kind of lose sense of self. You lost sense of your body, and and everything was black, completely black. And then. In the distance, in the great distance, it almost looked like a, a street light. There was a, a pinprick of light. Uh, you know, as it as if the reality around me, I was inside of a a, a balloon or something like that, and when I saw the pinprick of light it, it it dramatically got larger and it was almost like you're in jello. That that was the way the atmosphere was. It was it, it was shaking violently as it was as it stopped, as light overcame it all stopped and and color came in like warble warble warble, and then it settled, and it was this uh it was this green field, and I met family members I had never met at a pavilion. Uh, my parents were there I'm, I woke up crying, and uh, my, I told my dad because I was in third grade and I woke up crying, which is always a concern for the parents and he like set me up a meeting with the pastor to talk about it. Um, so I've always had these crazy dreams. But in the last few years, what seems to have happened is these dreams have become somewhat canonical. And what I mean by that is they're, they're in some ways related. I can, almost draw, I can almost draw a line through them. They are fantastical. They, are, they deal with time travel, um, teleportation, um, me being in somebody else's body. For maybe a purpose, and so I, I just wanted to share some of those with you, just so so I personally have a record of it all in one place. Um, because last night I had I had one of the most vivid dreams I've ever had in my life, and it kind of it, it 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 kind of strengthened the narrative. And I I don't know what's going on. Maybe I just have a creative brain, but regardless. It is very interesting, and I I want to remember these things. Sorry, let me hydrate. You probably heard that. That's great audio content. That's actually the inspiration, by the way, for the interdimensional bedroom, Is is maybe the truth is stranger than fiction, or maybe I'm crazy. Either way, it's interesting. So, years ago, and I'm actually on film talking about this when I was super drunk once at a party. My friends filmed me because it seemed like I was almost possessed by this by this dream, but I was simply recounting an experience I had where I woke up in, a, in an apartment and it was not my, it was not where I was living. I wasn't even living on my own in an apartment at the time. It almost seemed like something on the west coast that could have been on the beach. I, I remember house plants, ferns from the, you know, in the corner of the room, very gray attire, very much a bachelor pad. And um, I remember waking up because I heard noise in the closet. And I heard this noise in the closet I didn't know what it was. So I opened the closet and a small man popped out, maybe four or five feet tall. Nothing, not small enough to be like, this isn't a human, but definitely a small person. And um, he was wearing like the fear and loathing in Las Vegas attire. So the the golf cap um, or like the bucket hat, a red Hawaiian shirt. Um, he also had cargo shorts for what it's worth. And uh, these yellow glasses, just like just like Johnny Depp in the movie. You know, when you see him in the convertible, that's what he looks like. And uh, he, he was like, there's no time, there's no time, something like that, you know? And I was like, what, what do you need? And he's like, do you have a mirror? And I had a mirror, like a very simple, like something you'd buy from the dorm room section at Walmart. This mirror. And he took it from... It was leaning against the wall, and he took it, and he put it on the carpet, and he pulled out this vial of silver liquid from his pocket, and he dipped it. He, uh, not dipped it, but he, 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 like, put a little bit on the mirror. And the mirror did that same warble thing from my heaven dream. You know, this, this back-and-forth echoing ripple. And he jumped through, and he told me to jump through after him. And all of a sudden, I jumped through it, and, um... I'm falling and I, I'm in the sky and I'm in the desert, but I'm like 50 feet above. And all of a sudden we fall down. I'm in the passenger seat of the same car from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And I asked him, where are we or where are we? And he's like, we're in the year like 2350. Like we're way in the future. And we were in Las Vegas. And um, but and, and there were things that reminded me of Las Vegas, like like structures that I had been Preserved just like you would see in Europe or something something things that are six seven eight hundred years old Like the Eiffel Tower or some of the casinos but things were also very futuristic flying cars everything like that and I Asked him why are we here? And he's like we're here to save this this dimension and We start driving away from the city and I'm asking him like What I mean are there aliens? I'm asking these questions. He's like yes I'm an alien and I go what is the point of space travel and he goes Sim- simply for luxury And one of the main reasons rich aliens travel is to try different ecosystems, drugs. And he said, Earth has always been a big hit because of marijuana. You can only get real marijuana on Earth. And that's why that it was like the reason that aliens were traveling around the galaxy in the universe was to for pleasure to find different ways to experience reality. And so we're driving out, and he says, well, we need to go to power station number three. And it was this large, hexagonal, I mean, it went on for football fields, and football fields, black, 300 feet in the air, and it was a it was power station number three and had this big yellow zero three on the side. And he said, there's three of these, and it's a, it's solar energy, it captures solar energy and powers the entire world, and this is the third one out of three. Um, unfortunately, then I woke up. Uh, Fast forward, you know, I, I don't even remember when I had that dream. It must have been 2015. So now here we are. I, I'm sleeping again. The, and all, these, all the rest of these dreams happened um, within the last year and a half. So things have been picking up. Um, that's another reason I, I want to get record of these. Uh, I was sleeping and I woke up and I wasn't in my body. I was me. My soul was me but I was not in my body, and I was walking down, it, it looked like Mexico, it seemed, it was, it was dusty, blue skies, a desert ecosystem, and on my left was like a valley, and across the valley, on another set of hills, almost like the Hollywood sign, in blue metal letters, it said ARCUDA, A-R-C-U-D-A and I don't know what that means I've looked it up it is a city in Romania but it did not look like Romania in my dream and so I'm walking and I could you know it was so visceral I remember this so viscerally I could when I was breathing the street was made of dirt and it was like a it was a dirt roadway and I could taste the dust you know like when it's dusty and you can you inhale and you you can almost feel the dust in your mouth and i remember just like i looking at my hands and they were not hands these hands were not my white hands they were they were brown hands but I was still me. I was still myself, even though I didn't necessarily think I was. I didn't have my same name. I just, I knew, I recognized that it was me. And I'm walking, and on my right, I see um, a drink stand, you know, like a very average drink stand. And uh, I went, and it was like this beautiful, it was like this frozen pineapple drink, and it was delicious. I remember feeling like the best thing I've ever tasted. And then I leave, and I, I, st- I keep walking up this small hill with the valley on my left, with Arcuda on the left, across the valley on, on the next hill in in blue metal letters. And all the roofs are blue, by the way, too, with that same metal blue color. And then the street forks, and the hill goes up steeper, and the road goes up, and then there's a, on the left, there's a road that kind of follows the the coast of the that hillside. And then there's some small houses... Um, In between that that are up against the the hill that's going up in the road and There's these people dancing around a fire and having fun and then this woman comes up to me this old woman who I've never met and She stopped me and looked me in the eyes and said ah you're traveling too. It must be your first time uh, because you're so excited by these things and then I woke up and It was wild. She said you're traveling too must be your first time um and I don't know what that means. Um, and now, uh, fast forward, I just talk, I talked about this on the podcast. I mean, this happened a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Um, I was in the episode and uh, again, I was sleeping and I met this, I woke up and I was, I was in this place between space and time, not any place that I recognize was very gray cloudy it was like kind of like my bedroom but it was like as if everything was made of gray smoke you know it wasn't really my bedroom it was like an illusion of my bedroom and I woke up and it was 6 a.m. and I had to work in the morning I had to get up at 630 for work and I remember being disappointed (laughs) it was 6 o'clock because I hate waking up 30 minutes before my alarm and this uh, by the way even though the room had kind of manufactured itself in this gray smoke this ether um, nothing. There were no walls. It like kind of went on forever. It was as if my bedroom went on forever in all sides, uh, in all directions. Kind of like that scene in The Matrix when, when there's like a living room set up in a in a large white in infinite space. That's kind of how it was. But it was this gray smoke place. And, uh, this this eight foot, eight and a half feet. I mean, tall, larger than Yao Ming. Like not a tall person. It was it was extra extra tall, and it seemed feminine, and it was this raven character that was half raven, half being of some sort, and um, I say feminine just because, I don't know, sometimes you can just tell by the vibe, you can just tell by the vibe that it was feminine, and it asked me uh, what I wanted, and the first thing that came to mind was to sleep for a few hours, and um, she opened up her... Her wingspan, which went for t- 12, 14 feet. I mean, it's huge. It wasn't scary. I wasn't scared. I don't remember being scared. It felt familiar yet mysterious. Like, uh, like it, I was not expecting anything from it, but it felt familiar. I wasn't scared. And I, I crawled into the Raven Woman's chest, and it was like this it was like Luke in the Tauntaun on Hoth, you know, like I didn't cut her open, it wasn't violent, but it's almost like when the, uh, when the kids go into the wardrobe, and the line Witch, in the Wardrobe movie, and it starts out, and it's just like feathers, and so I'm like fishing my way through feathers, like they were the coats, and then eventually it's just like, it, it surrounded me, and I was still fighting through these, these layers of feathers, like it never stopped, and between these feathers were like these embers that weren't hot, but they were warm, and it felt comfortable, and then I woke up in my bed, and it was I checked the time and it was 12 o'clock. It was six hours prior. Um, I'm not saying that actually happened, but it it just was a really cool experience. It felt like the closest I would ever get to time travel or something like that. It was really, really, really interesting and cool. Um, Here, I need another sip of water. Which brings us to the finale of my dreaming so far with this you know this this narrative almost of I'm traveling through time and space not necessarily as myself in physical form but as myself in soul form Um, last night's dream was the first time I actually achieved something like in the first dream with the with the man in Las Vegas in the future I woke up before anything was finished. The second dream, I woke up before anything was finished. The last dream was the first time I actually interacted with with something in that space. And I'll just call it time travel. And it, it felt like I wasn't myself. I wasn't a body. I was just a soul experiencing something. And so, last night I had a vivid dream. Indeed. And actually it was this morning. I woke up at like 3 in the morning and I could not get back to sleep. And I ended up watching like french music videos uh that were black and white uh it was it, I, i'm not embarrassed i don't have guilty pleasures but uh for like three hours i was by bed watching different french music videos from like the 80s and 90s and um but with la- last night's dream was so weird because yeah, you know, i always wake up and i'm i'm mid activity wherever i am and this one was weird because i was with multiple people who were so-called travelers and we were um we were in a car. I was driving, and it was like a hover car. It was, it, you had to direct it with your feet and your hands. I remember that. But the momentum was not done with your feet like a normal car that, that we drive here. It was um, it was pitch. It was like to go up and down and side and side. The momentum was, tr- was controlled by something else completely different. It definitely felt like a futuristic scenario again. And I was driving this hover car, and I was with these... Uh, five, six other people. And I, I remember I was familiar with them. I couldn't tell you who they are now. I, I don't really recognize them by their physical form. But we were all dressed super fancy, like to the nines. Like we were going to a really fancy party. And um, we ended up going to a train station. And we're, again, we're dressed in these fancy, like we're going to a party. And the whole point was we were taking a train to go to, we were trying to infiltrate this like crime syndicates, uh, very fancy party party on this floating yacht and in the background it was like this winter frozen city that went on for miles and miles and miles but it was like on a mountainside so the yacht was in the air it wasn't on the ocean but it it seemed like the same type of thing and it was cold but once you stepped on the yacht temperature was not an issue excuse me it was as if there was a a barrier or some type of um, deflector of atmosphere or it was pressurized, but you just walked through this clear, this clear veil, and it was temperature was not an issue, and um, the whole dream was us going around this party trying to find this gemstone that this crime boss had somewhere that would allow us to open a portal, um, and meanwhile we had to f- construct the portal. It had to the portal had to be a seven stepped ladder of any material with seven spanning materials across. So what that meant was at some point someone saw that there was a curtain and a doorway that, like, matched this description. Like, it didn't have to be something specific. It just had to be any seven things uh, that had seven ladders across and then and then stuff on the side to make that ladder print. So it just had to, you just had to go through, you would start at the top of the portal and go through seven barriers of some kind. And so... We finally found, um, someone found the stone, like the material we were looking for. I wouldn't call it a stone. Maybe my human brain will call it a stone just so I can, it's easier to, It was easier. it's easier to describe as a stone, but it didn't seem like a stone. It almost felt like, I don't know, like an Avengers of Infinity stone. Like it wasn't like a normal rock. It was like this thing that held great potential. And uh, we finally, so uh, one of my counterpart travelers found it in an office in a drawer and finally when they found it they threw it to me uh, they threw me the stone and I also I also then pulled out another up, up out of my pocket a, a different stone that was yellow um, and by use by squeezing this stone I was able to like fly almost like Superman um, I was able to fly through the air freely and then so cuz they knew I had that stone I could fly up to the that ladder formation that we had found at the party before and I had to lay on top uh, you know I'm 30 feet in the air I had to lay on top as if I was going to like free fall backwards on my back um, like planking with my back to the ground through all seven materials to open the portal by breaking every single one on the way down but because I had the special material from the crime boss I was then able to that's what allowed me to open the portal by going through those motions it's almost like there's this divine ceremony to it. Um, and they didn't want us to have that technology. And then so I, I float up. Right? I, I use my my pocketed stone and I'm able to defy gravity and float wherever I want. It simply feels like, it's not like flying again where it's momentum. It, it just allows you to think where you want to go and be there. You know, it's it's wild. It was a, it, it physically, again all these feelings are so visceral. You know, I'm smelling smells. I'm I'm, I'm drinking drinks, I'm tasting things, I'm smelling things, I'm seeing things, I'm feeling things. You know, luxurious luxurious experiences on this yacht as we're trying to blend in. And um, I wrote this down and I lost my spot. <laughs> so I'm flying up to go through this portal and you have to position yourself back facing the ground all the way at 30, 35 feet up to go to the top so that you fall through every single layer of of whatever the material is that are sp- that's spanning across in that ladder pattern, you know? It's two long things on one side and seven separate layers of whatever material it is. And so um, I get up to the top, I lay back, and my team yells at me, they're like, don't break the portal on the way down, as if we've been in this situation before and I always like lose control or focus and I end up breaking the portal so I'm the only one that can go through. And so, I start going through, and every plane that I break of this ladder, time and reality slows down, sound gets more quiet, time slows down, it's almost like inception, you know, when you see them, every level of them going back is, is slow, it, you perceive it as slower, because time is traveling faster and faster with each with each material crossed, with each each plane being crossed. And it it feels like that warble jello thing again from the beginning that I was talking about. And um, so I'm, I'm going, it's... And it's. I go through seven layers and then, I mean, time is almost at... A complete sand standstill it's almost subperceptive. the last fall because I've slowed down to at such a it's not that I've slowed down it's that time has expanded and and so it's it, these micro moments seem become seemingly lo- so large so it, like I'm falling and it's taking me like 15 minutes to free fall because every single plane I'm crossing the perception of time gets slower and slower. It's as if time's expanding, like we're ripping a hole in the fabric of space and time. And uh, l- noises—it's not that the noises were getting less, less loud. It's that they were expanding. It's almost like that episode of The Office where where Gabe makes soundscapes and he goes, "Imagine a moment in time, and you expand it infinitely." And that's what that's what he makes with the chords. And his keyboard. And it's really dorky in that sense. But in this sense, that's exactly what it sounded like. It's like time and space and sound were just expanded with every single breaking of a plane of the ladder. And then finally, it almost felt like you're going through a pool of water. Just slogging. And then finally, I reached the seventh plane. And I woke up on my back in my bed. And that's where we're at now so i just needed to express this because i don't know what it means but i don't think it's insignificant and i'm not saying that i feel like i'm actually out there traveling through space and time but these stories mean something there's some type of expression of the subconscious that I feel is important to eventually figure out And so until then Fresco babies You're going to be getting Some stories once in a while <laughs> Until I figure this out So thank you For listening if you've made it this far I'm Fresco Savage This has been this week's episode Of Fresco Savage Live From the Interdimensional Fair.